Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, let's go. I'm Mike Diggs, and this is me reading Wikipedia. What? All of it? Today's random Wikipedia article is from a link that was at the bottom of the story I told of the Boston Malassica, which is still my favourite description of a disaster. Um, If you remember, there was a uh, flood of molasses, 25 to 30 feet tall, that swept through um, the streets of Boston, Massachusetts. And at the bottom of that story was a link to a story about the London Beer Flood. The London Beer Flood was an accident at Moe & Co. Horseshoe Brewery, London, on the 17th of October, 1814. It took place when one of the 22-foot-tall wooden vats of fermenting porter burst. The pressure of the escaping liquid dislodged the valve of another vessel and destroyed several large barrels. Between 128,000 and 323,000 imperial gallons of beer were released in total. The resulting wave of porter destroyed the back wall of the brewery and swept into an area of slum dwellings known as the St. Giles Rookery. Eight people were killed, five of them mourners at the wake being held by an Irish family for a two-year-old boy. The coroner's inquest returned a verdict that the eight had lost their lives casually, accidentally, and by misfortune. The brewery was nearly bankrupted by the event. It avoided collapse after a rebate from HM Excise on the lost beer. The brewing industry gradually stopped using large wooden vats after this accident. The brewery moved in 1921 and the Dominion Theatre is now where the brewery used to stand. Mew & Co went into liquidation in 1961. In the early 19th century, the Mew Brewery was one of the two largest breweries in London, along with Whitbread. In 1809, Sir Henry Mew purchased the Horseshoe Brewery at the junction of Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street. Mew's father, Sir Richard Mew, had previously co-owned the Griffin Brewery in Licker Pond Street, now Clerkenwell Road, in which he had constructed the largest vat in London, capable of holding 20,000 imperial barrels. Henry Mew emulated his father's large vats and constructed a wooden vessel 22 feet tall and capable of holding 18,000 imperial barrels. 80 long tons, 81 metric tons, of iron hoops were used to strengthen the vat. Mew brewed only porter, a dark beer, Guinness, 
that was first brewed in London and was the most popular alcoholic drink in the capital. Mew & Co. brewed 102,493 imperial barrels in the 12 months up to July of 1812. Porter was left in the large vessels to mature for several months, or up to a year for the best quality versions. At the rear of the Horseshoe Brewery ran New Street, a small cul-de-sac that joined onto Dighton Street. This was within the St Giles Rookery. The rookery, which was covered in an area of eight acres, 3.2 hectares, was a perpetually decaying slum, seemingly always on the verge of social and economic collapse, according to Richard Kirkland, the professor of Irish literature. Thomas Beams, the preacher of Westminster St James and author of the 1852 work The Rookeries of London, Past, Present and Prospective, described the St Giles Rookery as a rendezvous of the scum of society, the area had been the inspiration for William Hogarth's 1751 print, Gin Lane. Hogarth did some amazing drawings and cartoons uh, around that time, uh, largely of very, very drunk people. We may look at his work later. At around 4.30 in the afternoon of the 17th of October, 1814, George Crick, Muse storehouse clerk, saw that one of the 700-pound iron bands around the vat had slipped. The 22-foot tall vessel was filled to within 4 inches 10 centimeters, of the top with 3,555 imperial barrels of 10-month-old porter weighing approximately 32 tonnes. As bands slipped off the vats two or three times a year, Crick was unconcerned. He told his supervisor about the problem but was told that no harm whatever will ensue. Crick was told to write a note to Mr Young, one of the partners of the brewery, to have it fixed later. An hour after the hoop fell, Crick was standing on a platform 30 feet from the vat, holding the note for Mr Young when the vessel, with no indication, burst. The force of the liquid's release knocked the stopcock from the neighbouring vat, which, was also big, uh, which also began to discharge its contents. Several hogsheads of porter were destroyed. A hogshead, in this case, is a size of barrel. Um, there are barrels called pipe barrels, punching barrels, hogsheads and tears. Hogshead is one that's stuck around, I guess, um, with a lot of real ale companies nowadays. Several hogsheads of porter were destroyed and their contents added to the flood. Between 128,000 and 323,000 gallons were released. The force of this liquid destroyed the rear wall of the brewery. It was 25 feet high and two and a half bricks thick. Some of the bricks from the back wall were knocked upwards and fell onto the roofs of houses in nearby Great Russell Street. A wave of porter some 15 feet high swept into New Street where it destroyed two houses and badly damaged two others. In one of the houses, a four-year-old girl, Hannah Bamfield, was having tea with her mother and another child. The wave of beer swept the mother and the second child into the street. Hannah was killed. In the second destroyed house, a wake was being held by an Irish family for a two-year-old boy. Annie Savile, the boy's mother, and four other mourners, Mary Mulvey and her three-year-old son, Elizabeth Smith and Catherine Butler, were killed. 
Eleanor Cooper, a 14-year-old servant of the publican of the Tavistock Arms in Great Russell Street, died when she was buried under the brewery's collapsed wall while washing pots in the pub's yard. Another child, Sarah Bates, was found dead in another house in New Street. The land around the building was low-lying and flat, with insufficient drainage. The beer flowed into cellars, many of which were inhabited, and people were forced to climb on furniture to avoid drowning. All those in the brewery survived, although three workmen had to be rescued from the rubble. The superintendent and one of the workers were taken to the Middlesex Hospital, along with three others. Stories later arose of hundreds of people collecting the beer, mass drunkenness and a death from alcohol poisoning a few days later. Nothing changes. It's a tragic flood. When we um, looked at the story about the um, Boston Malassica, uh, people had been um, uh, not stealing but collecting molasses from these leaking vats for years. And I imagine people scooped up much of the molasses in the streets to take home. And in this case, gallons and gallons of Guinness flowing through the streets of London. And the first thought um, of uh, hundreds of people in London is to collect it and I imagine swimming it. The brewing historian Martin Cornell states that newspapers of the time made no reference to the revelry or of the later death. Instead, the newspapers reported that the crowds were all well behaved. Cornell points out that the popular press of the time did not like the immigrant Irish population that lived in St Giles, so if there had been any misbehaviour, it would have been reported. Well, there you go. Uh, inherent racism in our country. Uh, and yet we were told today that uh, that no longer exists. The area surrounding the rear of the brewery showed a scene of desolation that presents a most awful and terrific appearance, equal to that which fire or earthquake may be supposed to occasion. Watchmen at the brewery charged people to view the remains of the destroyed beer vats, and several hundred spectators came to view the scene. The mourners killed in the cellar were given their own wake at the ship public house in Bainbridge Street. The other bodies were laid out in a nearby yard by their families. The public came to see them and donated money for their funerals. Collections were taken up more widely for the families. There you go. People are good, really, aren't they? The coroner's inquest was held at the workhouse of St Giles Parish on the 19th of October, 1814. George Hodson, the coroner for Middlesex, oversaw proceedings. The details of the victims were read out as Eleanor Cooper, aged 14, Mary Mulvey, aged 30, Thomas Murray, aged 3, Mary Mulvey's son, Hannah Bamfield, aged 4 years and 4 months, Sarah Bates, aged three years and five months, Anne Saville, aged 60, Elizabeth Smith, aged 27, Catherine Butler, aged 65. Hodgson took the jurors to the scene of events and they viewed the brewery and bodies before evidence was taken from witnesses. The first witness was George Crick, who had seen the event happen in full. His brother was one of the men who had been injured at the brewery. Crick said the hoops on the vats failed three or four times a year, but without any previous problems. Accounts were also heard from Richard Hawes, the landlord of the Tavistock Arms, whose barmaid had been killed in the accident, and several others. The jury returned a verdict that they had lost their lives casually, accidentally, and by misfortune. Nowadays, I think an awful lot of negligence would have been uh, brought up in this case. As the coroner's inquest reached a verdict of an act of God, Mew and Co. did not have to pay compensation. Nevertheless, 
the disaster, the lost porter, the damage to the buildings and the replacement of the VAT cost the company £23,000. After a private petition to Parliament, they recovered about £7,250 from HM Excise, saving them from bankruptcy. The Horseshoe Brewery went back into business soon afterwards, but closed in 1921 when Mew moved their production to the Nine Elms Brewery in Wandsworth, which they had purchased in 1914. At the time of its closure, the site covered 103,000 square feet. The brewery was demolished the following year, and the Dominion Theatre was later built on the site. Mew & Co. went into liquidation in 1961. As a result of the accident, large wooden tanks were phased out across the brewing industry and were replaced with lined concrete vessels. Well, there you go. That is the story of the London beer flood. And that happened in Oxford Street and Regent Street, so it's around the Soho area, which is um, a fascinating uh, part of London that I spent many years wandering around. Um, and uh, I'm just looking through the article now to see if there's anything that we could click on uh, to uh, look at next. And I think maybe we, we might look at something like an act of God. That's probably just an insurance term, but uh, may well be worth looking up. Uh, I'm trying to make these every day. Um, they uh, are not as easy as you might think. I'm constantly listening to myself, um and um. I try to record them in one take, um, and it's pretty much the first time I've read the article. So I'm reading it with you. So I apologise for my terrible pronunciation. Uh, if you like this, please subscribe. Um, send me some ideas for what you'd like me to uh, read uh, investigating Wikipedia and um, leave a comment, good or bad. Bad actually generates more followers, so leave a bad comment. Go on, be awful. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.